This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now this one takes care of business. This would end it. Yeah, that's it. Ooh. Uh-oh, 2.2 seconds. McBride. He walked. He did. He did walk. It's over. The Heimer. Goodness. How sweet it is for Syracuse, Bill. Never count them or him out. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Sweet 16 is set, and now we wait for uh, more games coming up on Saturday through Tuesday, and then the final four will be all set. It's Joe Ostrowski, Preston Johnson here on BetQL Daily via the BetQL Audio Network. Follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Also follow Adam Rittenberg at ESPN Rittenberg. He now joins us, college sports reporter. He's uh, based in the Midwest here, so ends up covering uh, the Big Ten, uh, just about year-round, whether we're talking about football or basketball. So, Adam, I'm sorry, but you have to answer for the conference now. <laughs> After all these uh, these failures over the past number of days, they go in with nine, and they leave with one left in the Sweet 16. Uh, what happened? Yeah, Joe, it's certainly disappointing, and, and not what many expected given the the perception of the conference is, is maybe the strongest in college basketball. It certainly was uh, in terms of the selection committee's eyes with that, with those nine teams. But, you know, it was a combination of matchups as always, which is so important in a single elimination tournament. And then I, I think the, the big thing, that, well, a couple of things. One that, that really surfaced early, uh, beginning with the first four loss Michigan State had to UCLA and kind of continued through the first round, was poor late-game execution. Big Ten teams just not getting it done in, in those final few minutes of games or on those key possessions that, that determine uh, games. But then you had performances like Illinois against Loyola, which was you know, Loyola outclassed Illinois. I mean, that was not a fluky win by Loyola over, over the Illini. And then I was at the Oregon-Iowa uh, game, which was a really entertaining game, but it, Oregon was just unstoppable. Iowa had nothing for them on the defensive end. And Oregon just did whatever it wanted, whether it was shooting from the outside or scoring inside. I think they had more than 50 points in the paint and 11 dunks. So that's what's really jarring about this, uh, Joe, is that, you know, some of the Big Ten's best teams just didn't show up on the biggest stage, whether that was uh, Illinois, Iowa in the second half. Certainly Ohio State played really poorly, I thought, in in their loss to, to Oral Roberts, even though Oral Roberts has now gone on to the Sweet 16. So, it's really a tough situation for a conference that, you know, had, had made a lot of Final Fours but has still looking for its first national champion since 2000, and, and now that only hope is, is the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I don't even know if you would include Purdue into that conversation, but there were there were some that's they were saying, hey, they they could end up making a run out of their region, and they go home in uh, the first round just like the Ohio State Buckeyes, but the Illini as the one – is that the clear-cut most disappointing one, or did, or did you think, you know, they had so many teams that were ones or twos that 
maybe one of them would make the final four. Again, you still have Michigan in the mix. Yeah, right. No, I I think, again, Illinois is most disappointing in the sense that they had the best chance to win a national championship. And, you know, Purdue is 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 an up-and-coming team, a lot of younger players there, and I think the moment was too big for them. I was at their game against North Texas, and North Texas, you could see the experience on their team uh, was making a a bigger difference. Uh, You know, really, they they were the better team most of the game. Uh, Ivy brought Purdue back and forced the overtime, but then North Texas dominated the overtime. But you know, Purdue wasn't going to win a national title. I mean, Mark Turgeon of Maryland said after after their loss to Alabama last night, like, who are we kidding? We weren't going to win. We weren't going to make a Final Four with this team. But the teams that were capable, that's Illinois, that's Iowa, that's Ohio State. For them to lose the way they did is, is really disappointing because um, I think all of them, if, they, if things had lined up uh, in maybe in a different way or they performed at a higher level, we could be talking about them getting all the way to the Final Four and maybe winning a national title. Adam, until yesterday, the big storyline for the tournament was all the upsets that were happening, and it was almost all chalk. After that Oregon game, seven favorites win, seven favorites cover the point spread. Uh, Once we move on to the Elite Eight and get the Final Four, are the upsets even going to be a story anymore? Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be less of a story. I think you have to just start looking at these teams differently. I, I mean, that's that that would be my advice. I mean, as somebody who who grew up in Pac-12 territory and still has a lot of pride in that conference, you know, a lot of people don't see them play. But if you study USC, there's a ton of talent there, and you saw what they did to Kansas last night. You know, having watched Oregon in person, really talented team with a lot of different ways to score the ball. You know, I saw UCLA twice against Michigan State. And then uh, yesterday against Abilene Christian, that's a very talented team with that, that Mick Cronin has instilled a level of toughness and grit and, and defense that, that has now propelled them into the Sweet 16. So I, I just, you know, it's important to just study the Oregon State. I mean, how many, how many people saw Oregon State during the regular season? And they're the hottest team in the Pac-12, having won the Pac-12 cha- uh, tournament championship and, and then now getting into the Sweet 16, taking down Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State. So I think now you get a break. You got to study these teams. You got to figure out who they yeah. really are. Uh, but I think to your point, we're not going to see you know too many. Oh my God, stunning upset. Uh, I think anyone who's followed Loyola Chicago knows if they get to the Final Four, that's not a surprise one bit. Yeah, top ten Ken Palm team uh, much of the year with Adam Rittenberg at ESPN Rittenberg. This is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. Uh, You just mentioned a couple teams, Oregon State, where they said, of course, there's uh, the Oral Roberts upsets as uh, the 15 here. Uh, Is there a team or two that has stood out to you that you've changed your opinion on the most over the last four days? Yeah, well, again, I just go back to Oregon. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to see them in the first round against VCU because – BCU had the positive COVID test, and that game was was declared a no contest. Oregon advanced, but I, I thought maybe they'd come out sluggish. Uh, Dana Altman felt the same way. He was worried about the first ten minutes or so against Iowa, but but they took it to Iowa and, and they kept pace until a point where they could really uh, take over the game late in the first half, and then and then throughout the second half. And um, you know, Chris Chris Duarte is a, ter- a tremendous shooter. You know, they, they have a, a really good presence inside and, and, and different ways to score. UCLA has, has changed my mind. I, I didn't think much of them uh, because of the way they sort of ended the regular season and in the Pac-12 championship, but they were, uh, they were, they were a really good team. I mean, from uh, Juzang to, uh, to, uh, to, to Jules Bernard and, 
and certainly uh, Jaime Hawkins was outstanding against Michigan State in that first four win. You know, they I think really the entire Pac-12 I'm looking at in, in a little bit of a different light. I mean, Oral Roberts has been a great story. I know they lost to Arkansas earlier this year. You know, they have two star scorers, which I think helps a team that's a 15 seed at this time of year. I, I don't expect them to go much further, but but we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, this has been a an unusual tournament, an unusual season, and a, a final four most likely that's not going to feature a lot of brand names other than. Certainly, Gonzaga and Baylor is still look like the top two teams. Now, these teams have four or five off days. Uh, can you uh, share some intel on what's going to be happening over this week with these teams? Obviously, a lot of film study and a lot of practice. Is that it every every day for the next four to five? I think they're going to find some ways for them to get out of the hotels a little bit more. Um, you know, the NCAA has talked about you know a top golf outing or. Or, or some environment where you, know, you only have people that are getting tested, only people that have uh, you know, cleared all those protocols could be together. They're using the minor league baseball field, victory field, uh, to, 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 to just be outside a little bit because it's tough. I mean, I talked to Lucas Williamson of Loyola after they beat Illinois, and, and normally you beat the number one team, you're beating the big team in your state, your family's there, you can go out and celebrate, you don't have to play for a few more days. He was just spending the rest of the day answering messages on his phone and, uh, and staying in his hotel watching games. I mean, that's that's the reality. Uh, but but again, I think as these teams advance further, their their determination to you know, kind of make these sacrifices intensifies. They talk about it gets better from here. You're know, getting to the elite eight, getting to the final four, and and being able to uh, perform uh, in front of even the limited fans. It's, it's still exciting. You saw that from the Michigan. Uh, group last night. So, um, but yeah, a whole lot of hotel time, video games, cards, um, obviously practice, film, and then hopefully uh, some, some opportunities for them to get outside a little bit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Adam Preston here to expand on that a little bit. I thought that was really interesting because we saw in the bubble for the NBA that I think experience ended up kind of playing a role or that, that cohesiveness. And I don't know if you're going to see something similar here with the way this is set up this week with college, but do you think there is a team or two then that stands out that you think can kind of, you know, withstand some of the weirdness of being in a bubble and the lack of everything else that you would typically be able to do as a kid, right? Is there a team or two that stands out or a coach or just, a setup that you think this kind of benefits a team that we might be overlooking? Yeah, I, I really think it's the teams that have been to the Final Four before. Uh, and, you know, and there's not a whole lot of them or, or those that at least may have made a deep run. Uh, you know, Eli Brooks talked about that from Michigan. You know, Michigan's made four consecutive Sweet 16s and, you know, ha- has been on that big stage. And so a guy like that who's a senior can can talk to his teammates about what, what it's like and how great it is to, to stay in this environment. You know, Lucas Williamson talked to me about that he and Cam Crutwig are sort of the two holdovers from Loyola's Final Four team, and you know he, he that that's his message to the younger teammates. It it gets better from here, and I, I can tell you from experience. And so I, I think those those teams that have made runs and realize how awesome it is to get to that Final Four stage on the first weekend of April, you know, have, have a better opportunity of of kind of handling this strange environment. Although I really have been impressed with 
with with, with all the players and coaches and and, and, and just uh, really not a whole lot of complaints uh, that, that that I've heard uh, after games and so forth. So, but mm-hmm. I would give the edge to the, the more experienced tournament team. Adam, we always say the tournament is about matchups. Well, in you, when you look at the Sweet 16 round, we're going to see on Saturday and Sunday, uh, any specific games pop as the biggest mismatches? Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, the, you know even like I would I would lean towards Oral Roberts, but they, you know, they, they've taken down Ohio State and Florida and you know, they weren't blown out by Arkansas the, the first time around. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how much further Creighton's going to go. I think that's going to be tough against Gonzaga. No one's really been able to slow uh, the, the Zags down from an offensive standpoint. Um, and, you know, Villanova's gotten a little bit further than, than I thought, but there really aren't a lot of, like, obvious uh, mismatches on paper. I mean, I think they're going to be something. Michigan-Florida State is going to be outstanding. Uh, you know, two teams that, uh, again, have, have, have been on the stage recently. Um, Michigan's uh, just a, a beautiful team to watch on offense. You know, Florida State's always really long and physical. Leonard Hamilton has really established himself later in his career as, as a terrific uh, postseason coach. And so it's really, you know, that, that, that's probably the one I'm most looking forward to. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's, I mean, Loyola, Oregon State, I mean, Oregon State, you know, b- both teams are, are so hot right now and, uh, and, and kind of different type of, uh, d- different types of styles. And then certainly you got an all Pac-12 matchup with, uh, with Oregon and USC. I mean, Oregon was, you kind of embarrassed in its performance against USC earlier in the season. I know they're, they're going to, try to avenge that Dana Altman in you know, the way he coached in the uh, Iowa game, just again, showing why he's one of the, the best game coaches in, in the country. What's the biggest, which team is the biggest threat to Gonzaga? Well, I think ultimately it's Baylor. Um, I, I really thought Illinois with, with, you know, Io DeSumo and, and, and Kofi Coburn and, and just the way that they were performing uh, could have challenged Gonzaga uh, but but I, I, I you know I, I will be interested in this. I mean it, you know I, I think Gonzaga will handle Creighton pretty handily. Um, but then they then they're going to get a Pac-12 team that can score a Pac-12 team with a, a lot of talent, uh, especially if it's USC. The way that they played against Kansas, that's not going to be an easy game for Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Uh, but I think ultimately it's Baylor. I mean Baylor's really complete. They're very good defensively. Uh, you know, obviously their 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 lead guard. It, it Butler is uh, is so smooth. I mean, I, I was at their first game where he didn't shoot the ball great, but he just does so many other things, controls his body, you know, passes the ball. He, he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes out there. And, and, and they're a very deep team that Scott Drew has. So it's ultimately uh, going to be that game that, unfortunately, we didn't get to see because of COVID earlier this year, most likely is going to uh, – uh, we'll, we'll get to see it in the national title game. Adam, we only have about 30 seconds. Uh, is this setting up for another Final Four run for the Ramblers? I really think so. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, I think they're going to beat Oregon State. You know, although Oregon State, like I said, is is, is a really hot team, but but I mean, Loyola put on a clinic against Illinois and and really made uh, Io Desumu look uh, look pretty human in his, his last college game. Uh, and then they're going to get is it Syracuse or Houston? That, that'll be interesting. I, I think Houston uh, has been the better team throughout the year, but Syracuse now the last uh, three tournaments. Uh, they, they've made these runs as a double-digit seed, and uh, and they're kind of playing uh, very, very confident. Buddy Bayheim, obviously, uh, Dolajai is such a huge part of what they do on both ends of the court. Um, but I, I really do like the Ramblers because yeah. uh, Adam Rittenberg at ESPN Rittenberg, great stuff from uh, Adam as always. I agree with them. I agree with them. Uh, NBA awards movement. Okay, we'll we'll actually do that next. This is the BetQL Audio Network.